Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. I'm your host Chris Frull, former Royal Marines Commando and today I have the pleasure of talking about parachuting and skydiving with my good friend down there in Cairns in Australia, Graham Bint. Graham, how are you? Hey, good day, Chris. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Yourself? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Nothing needs. Nothing more needs to be said. I'm. Um, I always try and be fine, to be honest, and I normally manage it. You always are, mate. Uh, it's always good talking to you. Thanks for inviting me back as well. Um, sorry, I'm not wearing a t-shirt today, but it's 28 degrees here in, uh, at six, six o'clock in the evening. Sorry about that. It's all right. What do so, they say? I'm in the tree. They say you're excused rig, don't they? So there's some. That's sort right. Of... Yeah. 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 Well, I'm in tropical uniform, shorts and a singlet or vest, as you call them in the UK. <laughs> That's all I got. It reminds oh, hang on, I got I got some brill cream today to just just for special for for you. It it reminds me of um, looking at you sat there. Reminds me. Of, do, you, do you remember it? Ain't a half hot, mum. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> for our young friends watching, Google it. Ain't half hot, mum. If you want. Good old British casual racism. That's that's your baby, <laughs> isn't it? Sad? Isn't it sad they didn't, you know, that they didn't grow up with that military humour and, and um, yeah, yeah. So that foundation. Yeah. Graham, can you just, in your own words, so I don't screw it up, um, introduce what your military background mm -hmm. consisted of? Sure. Um, be because the subject's parachuting. <laughs> I, I did my first parachute jump at, on my 16th birthday because I'd been chomping at the bit to throw myself out of the sky for some strange reason. And I, I was in a club. Um, the, the guy who run the club was Ted. Um, I can't I forget his second name, but he was a Red Devils instructor. Um, that was wonderful. So when I decided to, that I was going to join the military, as, as, as we do, um, I, I wanted to join as a paratrooper. I always wanted to be a, get my wins. Always wanted to be airborne. And um, so at 17, I, I managed to, you know, I, I went down the RAF careers office 
to join the RF regiment because it was just after the Falklands, 1993, and the 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 the, the queue for the for the Reg was round the block eight times. Um, so I went and joined the the RF regiment because I'd been in the Air Cadets and, and I had family in the in the RF regiment. And uh, uh, unfortunately, after basic training, which was a, a stroll in the park, I I didn't. Um, that was ten weeks at Catterick. I didn't. Um, I wasn't posted to two squadrons, and that's the, the, the parachute squadron of the RAF regiment. Um, I was sent to another <laughs> another squadron that I, I wasn't very enamoured with. So it took me a while, and um, but eventually, you, after four years, you trained on Catterick. That's an army yeah, gar- garrison town. No, yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, <laughs> but there's also RAF regiment, um, RAF Catterick rather which had the R- the home of the RAF regiment and that's where we did our basic training. So I did my basic training out in the north on the Yorkshire moors or dales or whatever they're called in the in, in uh, over Christmas. So um friggin cold. Sorry, are we allowed to swear on the podcast? I forgot to ask you. Uh, not for the first 5 minutes, otherwise YouTube <laughs> punishes all right. us with all their wrath and it's uh that's that's going to be hard work, but you let me know when 5 minutes is up. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Basic training was up in Catterick, um, ten weeks, uh, and that's after six weeks RAF training at Swinderby, which was just you know learning how to write really, um, and and add up uh, and shave because I was seventeen. Um, so Catterick, ten weeks there, wasn't very difficult, um, and then I got posted to to another squadron, which was it. It, it was good in a way because it next christmas i was in belize or, or actually that christmas it, we finished up just after christmas i was in belize doing a six-month tour in, in in belize which was just changed my life it was life changing why i live here in the tropics now because i love the tropics and i managed to learn to dive in belize and on st george's quay um i think again i was at 17 and a half coming up i think and and jesus i did seven, i found my certificate the other day we did 10 10 dives i think i did and, and we got to about 38 meters and you've dived you, you know that's ridiculous right you mm-hmm. know i i was knocked off my um gourd for uh, for want of a better swear word and um it was just so casual you know oh, just for diving our, for our friends listing that's uh bloody deep oh, yeah sorry nitrogen narcosis and gourd yeah. is is head <laughs> if you didn't get that <laughs> all the military um <laughs> Speaking the old English, <laughs> we know yeah. we know what we mean because we speak the same language. But <laughs> nitrogen narcosis—it's when you when you get too much nitrogen in your in your blood and your brain goes trippy. You, 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 it's like being on drugs—you go off your head and and you have no sense of time. And at thirty-five meters, you you I was just in this psychedelic world because please, I mean, it, it was the greatest, the best place to dive in the world. Probably still is, but back then it was in, it was pristine. Hardly anyone had dived it. It's amazing. It's just incredible experience. Just can absolutely can beautiful. I just add, can I just add mm. to that? I often get asked which one of the eighty countries I've um, visited. Yeah, like you know, would I like to settle down in? Yeah. To which I always answer, it doesn't really matter because paradise is in your head. It's not a place you can find. Um, yeah. But if I really had to choose a place, I'd say Belize. And a big I can part, understand that. A big part of the reason is the diving and snorkeling there. 
insane, isn't beyond it? Beyond belief. It's like insane. nowhere else on the planet. Yeah. Everywhere else I've been, whether it's Thailand, uh, South America, North America, Africa, all the places I've dived around the world, all the reefs are just dead where they've been trodden on by novice divers and, and all the wildlife has disappeared. Nothing comes close. Belize is like dropping into the most tropical of tropical fish tanks. Sharks are just swimming by you like this. You reach under the rocks <laughs> and pull out lobsters. Really amazing. <clears throat> the colours are insane, right? Just insane, especially when you're not. So this, um, they couldn't get... this, sorry, mate, I just wanted to clarify, was this part of your first draft then? Believe? Yeah, that was my first posting to, to 2020. Okay, so this is quite funny. My, my second name is Bint, B-I-N-T, which is a cracker. But at 17 years old, I was, po I was posted to, to a Scottish squadron in RF Lucas. So, so you can imagine, I learned, um, I learned to laugh at myself very quickly. Um, um, because and, bint, and I thought, bint means old lady in Scottish. Right? Well, I wouldn't say old lady, just, just woman, really. It comes from Swahili, the drive from Swahili, Binti. But it also really originates from Arabic, I believe. And it, it's, really, it's really a derogatory word for a, for a young lady, if you like. So, yeah. Um, but jocks just use it as, as, as woman or hen or whatever. So yeah, that, that was quite, quite a challenge, but it's just funny, right? You just laugh at yourself. It, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's just a, a funny little story. So I, yeah, I got sent to a Scottish, um, squadron that I didn't really care for much. So I didn't want to be at, but I did get to go to Belize and, and that was a life changing experience for me. I remember stepping off, uh, the plane on the pan in 38 degrees heat i've never experienced anything like it palm trees everywhere and it was just beautiful it, it just hit me and um so on my first r and i that after jungle warfare school and everything um, which was again absolutely brilliant i love jungle warfare um on my first r and r i'm, I'm sat on a on a on a k a, a crystal coral k that's an island off the 40 50 kilometers off the coast of belize absolute paradise supping pina coladas um in a, a chair on a hammock going yeah this this was a good move <laughs> i i think i'm going in the right direction um and then once i finished with that squadron i i, I hounded my um my officer who was x2 squadron but he never really was on the squadron because he had a parachute accident he trapped in broke his legs and his back so so he never got on squadron and i just i just hounded him and i put in so many leave passes and not leave passes um transfer transfer passes whatever they're called um i even put them in in red uh i was charged god knows how many times because i didn't like the place um and eventually he he, he called me into his office and he went bin you you want to get off the squadron right you want to go to squadron and i was like you know i do and we're very irreverent, right, in, 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 the, in the RF Red. Just very casual. You, you call your, your officer boss. Um, they probably, a lot, lot of places, they call you first names, etc. He goes, you know I do, boss. He said, all right, I've got a deal for you. And it's, it was around the time of Greenham Common was taking British and, and they decided the RF Regiment. He said, if you go to Greenham Common for two years, 
you get posting of your choice. He said, you're guaranteed to go to two squadrons. If you don't accept it, you're, you're not guaranteed anything. So I ummed and I ard, and Greenham Commons near Newbury, and I live in, I grew up in Reading, which is 10, 15 miles down the road. So I just thought that it's going to be an all right posting. So I took the posting to Greenham Common as a, as a part of 501 Security Police Group, USAF. So I became a police security policeman with M16s and other stuff, American stuff. So Greenham Common, for our um, for people who don't know, it was a nuclear missile base, wasn't it? Yeah, the first one in, in, in Britain. Then there was Molesford. Where, you just just look it up. It's where all the the, the peace campaigners, you yeah. know, all the riots. It was it. a it was, just... it was a nuclear mili- a nuclear missile holding place. You used to get lots of big jets coming from the states, yeah. I believe. It, it was just it was just little America. It was just, in between yeah. that was America. You spent dollars. Everything was American. The the, the 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 candy bar thing. You know the the what do they call them when you get snacks out of a vending, vending machine? Yeah. They, they were American chocolates. It was all Hershey's and M&M's and, and stuff like that. And Mountain Dew. I know you guys know what that stuff is now, but we didn't back then. <laughs> they they bring it, America to Britain and put it in a fence. No, they take America. Um, in my experience, all around the world, America gets taken where the Americans go. The same in yeah, Hong they, Kong. In Hong yeah, Kong, it's they, very didn't, sad. they didn't eat English food, British food. Or, they don't learn the culture. Or they Chinese. don't integrate. No. Um, some some do, but some are quite insular. I'm just trying to be fair here. Um, that's all right. It's only my experience, yeah. But it's you know. Anyway, that's just a, that's an aside. So Greenham Common was very famous for having peace protest protesters all around the uh, perimeter fence. Um, so you did your draft there. Is that with the deal? Then you could go to a parachute school. Yeah, yeah. So after two years. Um, they said I could go to, I could get my posting. Okay. So, um, Greenham was just a, it was a horrible place. It was just, um, 12 hour, 20, 24 hour shifts of, of guarding inside of a nuclear silo in, in, in a, in a, in a vehicle with your oppo going brain dead, um, and doing security checks. Um, it was, it was soul destroying you know, there were some good soldiers and good units in the RF regiment. A lot of X2 were there that I met and became very friends with. And and it was soul destroying, and a lot of a lot of guys turned to drink because they weren't doing what they wanted to do, and a lot of a lot of guys um, PVR'd, uh, bought themselves out straight after the, uh, that as well. So I got a call up to HQ out of the blue, and I was I'd lost all my fitness. I I wasn't interested anymore. I I'd just could become NFI. Um, and what's that? No, no further interest. Yeah, no, no further interest. That's the one. Yeah, something like that. And um, and, um, and they said, "Oh, you, you you've got a posting bin." And I, went, yeah. And they went, "Yep, two, you, you've got you've got to report to um, Catterick to do not not Catterick. Yeah, it was Catterick to do your pre para, and then if you pass, you're going to two squadron." And I was I was skipping, and I went, oh great when and they I think they said in two weeks time. Now, the reason I say that is because I wasn't fit. I was drinking too much. I was eating American food, um, hash browns and um, grits. <laughs> and I, this sudden stone cold um, 
fear uh, came over me that I'd only got two weeks to get myself fit to, to do pre-para, which in, in your world might be whatever that your last test, all arms, all arms course or whatever it's called. And, and, and in the paras, it's like that they're a P company. So I had two, two weeks to, to pr- prepare. Um, and that's not good enough, you know. So, you know, it takes so, one week Graham, to, just to leave. I'll interrupt you then just for our yep. listeners and watchers. So before the para course is available to many different people within the British Armed Forces. So obviously the parachute regiment. Yeah. Obviously all the regiments or units in the brigade which support yeah. the parachute regiment. It's open to the Royal Marines. It's open to, to us, obviously to our special boat service who then go on to do the the, the, the halo and hi-ho skydiving uh, course. Yeah. Uh, obviously the SAS, many of whom come from the parachute regiments, so they yeah. will already have done the jumps course, jumps course being the parachute course by the yeah. time they <coughs> join the SAS. Um, yeah. You get many Gurkhas on the parachute course because they have an airborne uh, unit. I, I'm probably not using the correct terminology here. It was a long time ago. And so, <laughs> airborne cookery. <laughs> yeah. So Graham is in the RAF. He's in the RAF regiment, but now he's going to go to their airborne unit. So Yeah, squadron. So let me clarify. Can you um, just explain why, what's the need to do a fitness course before you do something that requires no fitness, which is throwing yourself out of an airplane. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, because it's not about it's not about parachuting, is it? To be airborne, it's about being fit um, and, and being um, excellent soldiers um, and professional. Because basically, any time you parachute into somewhere, you've then got to do a tab uh, or yompers. You call them tabs. So is it para- no? You call them yomp. yomp. You call it yomp, don't you? Okay. Well, we call it tab. Tactical advance to battle some some pants like that um so you've got to do at least a 10k 10 mile sorry um tab with with your with your kit to battle advance to battle do your battle and then bug out so that that's you know that's over hills mountains or whatever so you've got to be bloody fit mate and that's all there is to it um which is why in simple terms if you're attached to the airborne brigade you've got to be able to keep up with them so you've got yeah. to do their P company or similar. Yeah. If you're in a commando brigade, as obviously our, the Royal Marines are, you've got to be able to keep up with the Marines. So if you yeah. go there as, say, a 2-9 <laughs> um, gunner or a 5-9 assault engineer from the Army, because remember, Marines is Navy, you come there yeah. from the Army, you do what's called the all-arms commando course, you go mm. to Limston, you do a very concise, let's just say a 12-week course. It, it, it might be a lot less. Um, and then <clears throat> you can join, then you can work alongside us. What Graham's talking yeah. about is he's got to prove that he can work alongside the paras by doing this pre-fitness course. But not P-Company, no? No, it's called pre-para, it's, and it's run by the RAF and the RAF regiment. Um, don't forget that the P- PJIs, the parachute jump instructors, all come from the RAF. Yeah. So, do, so we uh, have. Um, do, do does everybody do 
that if they're not commando trained or is or, or do some some people do P, P company is P company just no, for paras just for paras so so RF regiment purely is is pre para so it's called pre para um it's, it used to be in my day it used to be run at Catterick um and in Scotland um and the Yorkshire Moors various places with large hills um and horrible things to climb up and um <clears throat> And it's three weeks, and I, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe P Company is two weeks. Um, it's three weeks. Um, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and yeah, yeah. So obviously, you, you, you've got to pass that before you what even was, go to the go to what was the What was the hardest physical test then? Um, the Three Peaks, uh, which I, I believe is in, in in the Yorkshire Dales. I could be wrong. So, so you go to there was there's an there's a big viaduct somewhere in the yorkshire dales there's the three peaks it's a very famous walk and i think it's about 28 miles I, and again i could be wrong it's a long time ago chris um and you so you you get dropped off with your weapons your pack you, you camp that night um luckily so lovely i got food poisoning that night spent most of the night out in the bondu with the squits and throwing up and then the next morning you, 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 you clear camp and you, 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 so you've got a tab over the three peaks, which is 28 miles, I believe. And again, I could be wrong with, I can't even remember the weight. It, it wouldn't be 40 pounds. I, 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 it's probably 20 pounds, 30 pounds in your weapon boots. And you have, and, and that te- that's, I think it's called skirmishing when you have to climb up the, the rocks and the mountains and, and then go along the knife edge. Map. So it's a little bit of mountaineering sort of thing in it, which, I'm really scared of heights and, and I've got really, I'm only five foot six with short legs. So going up the hills is really hard for me. Um, and you have to, you have to, you have to pass that in, in eight hours, under eight hours. Well, um, that's very similar to the Marines 30 miler then. That's, that, it's I, I would, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all very designed very closely, right? So um, it, we can we <coughs> ascertain it's harder than the five mile of death. Well, I, it, I, luckily for me, luckily for me, the five mile of death wasn't in when I was there. Lucky I left in time or I wouldn't be I, talking I, to you now, would I? I, I, I <laughs> you don't I, pass the five mile of death, full stop. You've, um, <laughs> I take it you've seen that video, right? I love it. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and and that's, uh, I think that's at Catrick, that's at Basics, uh, RF Regiment Basics. Can you just explain the video for our friends at home? Yeah. Um, I'm just, sure they've brief, seen it briefly. Yeah, I'm sure they've all seen it. There's there's an RAF regiment basics instructor. You know the guys that teaches the the new recruits at Catterick. It may not even be at Catterick. Scouse somebody. I, I can't. I won't say his last name because in case I get it wrong and damn somebody. And he's standing there going, "Come on, lads! Come on, lads! Lad, come on! Stand toe to toe with the Paras and the Marines. This is they do their P company. And they do their." Marine Corps, but you, but, but, yeah, but you, but you're going to do the five miles of death. Yeah. And someone was filming it, and the person who who filmed it and put it online needs needs a backslap. But but actually, it, it has provided a um a huge amount of, of of humor among the right people like me and you. Whereas some of the stupid, dumb remp pongos actually believe it and and try to use it to um have a dig at the RF regiment. In my day, the, the army didn't know who, who, who the RAF regiment were. Um, the, the Marines did. We had a good relationship with the Marines. 
Um, because we work alongside called, um, You're called Rock Apes. Right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, where that's that, correct. Where does that name come from? <clears throat> uh, there's a few stories, but the one that has the most um, credit for me is that there was a race up the Rock of Gibraltar with a Bofa gun um, back in the 40s or 50s or something between between military units who were serving in Gibraltar and um, the RF regiment won it because um, they used to be Bofa gunners. And that, so it was, it was running up the rock carrying a Bofa gun, which is a pretty heavy bit of kit, not all in one go, all stripped down. And then, you know, a bit like the um, the Royal Tournament when, when those, you know, your boot neck. Field gun. Field gun. Yeah, that's right. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which you, you sort of poo-poo until you see, see the video of their training. And then you sort of have a, a newfound respect for them. <laughs> Hard buggers. Um, so it, it was a bit like that. And, of course, the Rock of Gibraltar is covered in, in, in those apes, monkeys. And, and I believe that's where the, the name comes from. But don't, don't you know, don't um, put that on Wikipedia and quote my name. So but let's, um, let's fast forward to getting to Bryson. I'm just conscious of our time here, Graham. Sure, sure, so, sure. So you, you did the 30 miler. That sounds, you know. Sounds like you proved everyone did all the did all the log races and stretcher races and all that. Yeah, and and then you get you 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 at the end you get pass or fail and then you get shipped off if you pass. I think you know the the rate's not very high for passing, um, and then who, whichever ones among you pass, you you then get I think you get a few days off and then you get sent to Bryce Norton obviously to do your actual jumps course, which was um, really good fun. And um, I just, I would just like to say, <clears throat> because it's the fifteenth of April, uh, January, March, April. Yeah. Um, while I was at Bryce Norton, my dear friend I grew up with, who was from Botswana, Fergus Rennie, was there doing his SAS or his Pathfinders um, Halo course, and we kept getting rollicked by the by the PGIs because we kept talking and laughing with each other and and wandering off and and, and stuff, but. I, I say that because um, I just respected him because he was killed in Garage Day serving with Tutu. We joined up together. We were in Air Cadets together and um, grew up together. Uh, so, so respect. Where, where's, garage Fergus. where's Garage Day? Garage Day in, in Bosnia. And I was in Bosnia at the time. I was in Sarajevo. So he was very close to me. Um, I didn't even know he was there. I was an aid worker at the time. And then when I came out of Sarajevo, there was a letter from my parents waiting with a newspaper article in it saying, SAS soldier killed in Bosnia, and 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 obviously it was Fergus. And um, so respect Fergus. I'm not drinking tonight, so but I I would have a drink. I'll have a drink for him at the weekend. Yeah, respect to your friend. How how yeah. is he killed? If I can ask, shot in the head, driving um, a, 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 a junior officer, I believe, um, wanted to go and either stop the Serbs from advancing or or, or observe them. Um, a few of my buddies, some of some of whom. Um, I was in two squadron with actually. Um, we, we have quite a few. Two squadron has quite a few people go to Hereford, um, never to be seen again. And um, there was a couple of my mates with them, but this officer decided to, uh, as the Serbs were advancing to ethnically cleanse Garage Day, um, I don't know whether he was going to stop them or, or to, to <coughs> be King Canute, as a friend of mine <laughs> once said. Um, uh, and, and, and wave the UN, you will stop because the Serbs don't really listen to anybody. And um, as he was driving the Land Rover, he, he, he took a 762 to the head um, and, and that would do it. Mm. And the officer was shot in the arm. Um, 
he managed to steer the Land Rover and back to some sort of safe area. They managed to get them, bug them out, and um, fly them back to Sarajevo. But he 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 died in, in in Sarajevo from his wounds and was obviously flown back to Hereford. I was still in Bosnia. I got a lot of civilian friends. My my, my good friend Maf, who, who went to their funeral, his funeral, and um, yeah, sad, mm. sad, very sad. Uh, General Rose was there at the time. Apparently, he 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 was in a he was in a meeting. Well, at the time, so and though I haven't got too much respect for the whole operation out there, but I don't think that's what we're here to talk about. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because it's fifteenth of April today, and I remembered. Yeah, we we will remember them. We will. Um, just to, I'll uh, just uh, so so off I go to Bryce Norton, and, and I'm there, and Fergus is there, and I didn't. Fern, if I you, you bugger, and um, it was funny because uh, you know, again, it's it's because it's, it's it's. it's it's more of an army environment in a way. And, and the, again, RF regiment, very irreverent and two squadron are particularly irreverent. And, and just, just, just to explain something, Chris, the RF regiment where RF regiment slides on their, on their um, combat smocks. But w- once you do your pre-power and you go to two squadron, we actually no longer considered ourselves part of RF regiment. We, we, we considered ourselves a, a separate entity so 110, 120 blokes, and, and we just considered ourselves two squadron, th- this sort of airborne um, um, th- uh, squadron. And we didn't wear the RF regiment slides, and we didn't really associate with the RF regiment anymore. So when people say about the five mile of death and that rubbish, don't care. It, yeah, it wasn't us. Of course, of um, and and, and you that's were, just you, that, you know. You, you quickly forgot your roots. <laughs> yeah, you, you just become, I know it's elitism and, and it's bullshit now, but back then, yeah. And, and, and we were even more irreverent. So we didn't, we had Paris mocks, obviously. And we didn't wear RAF regiment in, insignia. We just wore our DZ and our, and our wings. Yeah. Um, and we, and there was 120 of us on an RAF station at RAF Lavington. Um, and a very, very small, quiet unit that kept itself to itself, really. Um, quite special. Of, um... A lot of Marines wore Paris smocks. Um, somebody yeah. asked me the other day, how come I've seen pictures of Marines wearing Paris smocks? I just replied, because we, many of us preferred them to the bog standard issued. Um, there, com- there was a time, jacket. yeah, there was a time that was fighting talk for us. If we saw, if we saw a hat in, in a, in a Paris smock without wings, that was fighting talk right there. But for some reason, it just, it just, you know, just melds mold, over time. People wear SAS smocks and Paris smocks, and you just have to get used to it, really. It's the wings on your arm that count, isn't it? Yeah, I bought mine in a, <laughs> I, I bought mine before I got my wings because I remember wearing it in, in the Northern <coughs> Ireland conflict. And uh, I, bought yeah. it at the, I bought it at the Army and Navy, you know, surplus shop. Yeah. About it was probably mine. Though. I probably sold it. <laughs> <laughs> So you've rocked up at Bryce Norton. Bryce yep. Norton, the paracourse is administrated and overseen by the parachute regiment. But the, all the instruction, so the learning is done by PJIs, parachute yeah. jump instructors. Yeah. And, they and, become, and this is a fir- they belong yeah, this to is- the RAF. Yes, that's right. PGI's parachute jump instructors. And they're very good. They're real cool guys. I like them. Um, they're very fit as well. And they've got a very good sense of humor. But it was a, this very strange paradox where, where, where it's the first time I've come and seen army bullshit and lived in Nissen huts with Pongos. 
and um, and, and and come under a sort of a, a, a slight sort of more regimented army, you know, um, traditional manner. Uh, and it was a bit bit foreign to us. So because um, because like I say, we, we, we're pretty slack. Um, so it's a quite strange thing. Um, but I still enjoyed it. It, it, was, it was great fun doing, doing the power course um, and a lot of drinking in the bar uh, afterwards and a lot of um, bravado. And, and um, Can I give an exam- a couple of examples there? Because it was, the same, it was the same for us. Yeah. You've got to remember, folks, we were trained commandos. <clears throat> I'd already, by the time I did my power course, I'd served four years and I was on, I was down for promotion. I was all, I was already a lance corporal, um, and I was—I actually did two para courses, but I, I won't confuse you. I'll just talk as though I did one. Um, now you rock up to Bry's, and of course these uh, parachute regiment corporals and sergeants, non-commissioned officers, basically are treating you like you're what we what what's called like baby, you're a recruit yeah baby paras a baby yeah. para is a para who they've just got their red berry or their cherry berry but they, they haven't, haven't gone pink it. yet yeah it hasn't they faded to pink yet yeah yeah they haven't done the jumps course <laughs> and they haven't yeah. been on any kind of they haven't been to a unit yet or been on deployment so they are yeah. they're basically just they're still in the kind of recruit phase yeah well yeah they've just they've just got their lids yeah, so we were getting talked down to. Not that, yeah. you know, you don't care, but you do when it affects your liberty. They tried keeping us home yeah. for one weekend because yeah. someone had hung socks on a radiator. Well, when you're a trained rank, like we yeah. were, you, you can hang what the fuck you like on a radiator as long as you, it's you not can, an, an inspection coming round, right? You can so, shove it, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm somebody just parachuting. Somebody just put their hand up, Graham, and said, we ain't fucking staying here, Sergeant. Not, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling my Marines to go home. Sorry. Yeah. He kind of yeah. like wound his neck in then. But another yeah. one was the, um, I think it was the, the CSM, so their kind of equivalent of the company Sergeant Major, come running out after these two lads who were walking to breakfast without their berries on. Well, we do all the time, yeah. yeah. Marines don't wear their berries on camp when they're going to and from food. It's just just yeah. a done thing. Every other time yeah. you do, but to go to and from food for some reason, you can just bimble so strong. Yeah, absolutely. Berry. Well, this CSM didn't realise these two guys are SAS. Um, <laughs> nice it's guys, like like, odd angry shot. You love uh, it. They, they were nice guys. I they I, I actually shit got to share a room with them, which was a brilliant experience. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and this CSM goes, "Oi, you two, where's your <coughs> effing, effing headwear?" <laughs> and these two SAS guys just looked at each other. Went, they looked at him, looked at each other, and <laughs> just continued walking. It was. <laughs> It was um, it's gold, one, right? One of those gold, memorable yeah. things in in my what, life. What, do you do you remember what parent unit they were from? Uh, yeah, I I actually do. I think Nige was D and D, so Devon and Dorsets, right? And the other chat, I won't say his name because uh, no. it's a nickname, and everybody will 
everyone in the, in the regiment will know who I'm talking about. But yeah, he, I don't know. I've talked about them before. They were just exceptionally nice lads. They were yeah. smartest dressed on the course. I used to look at these two, you know, so SAS, Special Air Service, Special Forces, Special Ops. I used to look at these guys in the pub, you know, they'd be sat quietly in a corner, just chatting, drinking a pint of ale, smart casuals on. You would never know Graham, you know. There was no, no that's right. Graham air and, and oh, back and in the stuff. proper old days when they kept quiet, yeah. Yeah, it was they were just yeah. very humble men. Back in Ferguson's days. And they they of course they were just as interested in the Marines as I was yeah. interested in the SES because they just yeah. come not just, but you know, they come from army regiments. So obviously the yeah. Marines had always been uh, held in high esteem. Yeah. Um so that was quite in, in there's also another interesting factor for you, I'd imagine, because the, the, the Marines and the Paras, you, you actually had much more rivalry or um, hatred for each other than, than the Arab regiment. Because, no, again, no one. Not true. No. Absolutely. Is it not? I thought it was. No, I thought it not was. true. It was a okay. one-way one thing that came off the back of the Falklands. Ah, uh, OK. About who got to Port Stanley first, because mm. 4-5 Commando and was it? to para sorry if i'm wrong they marched the 80 miles into port stanley right i heard the gurkhas got there first <laughs> i heard it was the, R- <laughs> the raf regiment yeah, we flew there <laughs> but here's here's the thing I, I swear to god in my seven years in the marines i never heard a marine slag off the paras in in that way of course there was a that's bit interesting rivalry yeah. But yeah, what I did that's see, good to hear. mutual did, respect. Yeah, what I did see is um, my one of our drivers while I was in recruit training told us this story. They were on the rifle range next to a bunch of paras, and the paras were all shouting. You know, they had the paras would have this thing. They'd sing, "I surrender, I surrender," right? Oh, okay, which, yeah, yeah. Which, <clears throat> It would be all right if it was meant in good spirits. <coughs> of course, lo- it always is. Lot, what a lot of these parents didn't realise is those boys in the Falklands, they, they lost had, their mates. Well, they, they were not only ordered su- to surrender by the governor of the Falklands, they not only put up one hell of a fight that would make any military person proud, yeah. they didn't get a single loss of life against all these Argentine casualties. They held off hundreds of Argentines with just one detachment of men, right? And in the end, it was a simple choice, right? You are going to die if you don't. It's that set. You and what are you going to yeah. die? You, your your wife is going to lose a husband. Yeah, your kids are going to lose their dads for the rest of their life. It it was the most sensible thing to do, right? Anyway, that's, no brainer. That, 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 I'm not trying to justify it. it, it no, no, you don't have to. It's, it's, it's almost as bad as five mile of death, mate. So this guy, this this driver who's on the rifle range with his troop, I don't know if it was training or whatever, this, the paras next to him start singing, I surrender. And their troop sign just went, right, lads. Fucking kill them. And they, it's on. They, and they, they ran over and had this big, big scrap, right? Um, but no, I... 
always have utmost respect for paras. Any Marine, if you join the Army, what would you join? You join the paras. Any para, if you join the Navy, what would you join? You join the Marines. So it's it's all silly and it's non-existent now, Graham. I know Good. that because through my YouTube channel, <coughs> I get the loveliest messages from former paras. They love my yeah. channel, you know, and I yeah, love of my channel. I love them. End of. Yeah. It was just this Falklands thing. And like I say, it was one way. You wouldn't hear them. In the Marines, we didn't go around going, fucking paras, they're shit. We, it, no, it's good. They did, it, they did good. a different job to us, you know? Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. Anyway. Look, once, you got, once you got to a certain level... We're all the same, right? And, yeah. and there's a, I mean, in in, in business in, in Civvy Street, we, we call it um professional um respect, right? And and there's that professional respect once you've done a, a high level fitness course. It's all the the remps and the pongos and the idiots and the infantry and the cannon fodder that that, that can do the crying mm. and and piss taking and and laughing at five mile of death and all that mm. rubbish because they never hacked it. I'm conscious of the time here, mate. We've got about sure twenty odd minutes left, so let's let's talk about. We've talked about the administration of the course. Yeah. Um, do you want to just talk a bit about the training on the course? Because I <laughs> loved it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. A lot of hanging from ropes and, well, a little bit too much jumping off ramps. <laughs> and and um, there was that big swinging contraption, I seem to remember, the knacker cracker or something like that. That was a huge <clears throat> de- death slide, wasn't it? That yeah, you strapped yeah, into. yeah. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you threw yourself out this big tower and went whizzing down this death slide. And... It's just, it was all preparing your body, wasn't it, really, for, for, for the shock of parachute jumping. And, and for people who don't know, parachute jumping isn't just, um, you know, quick stand up and jump out of this plane because it's fun. It's, it's, it's an hour, hour or two of low-level flying in a Hercules with, with, with you know, up to 100 blokes um, sat, squashed up to you. Your parachute, your reserve, you, you, you burg and your and your gat on the side and no room because you're, you're two abreast and and low level flying you know um over the contours hugging the contours of the land blokes being sick into sick bags you're and not, then you stand um, up hook up you're not allowed to call it a gat in the presence of a former royal marine mate <laughs> that is a big fucking no-no it's a rifle. That is it. It's rifle. And you don't carry. What if it was a GPMG? You never carry. You never carry a rifle by the carrying handle. As a rifle. you always carry the actual rifle itself. You never use. You see people carrying is it the SLR by the carrying handle. Was oh yeah, you break it off right away. Um, but I, because I because I'm keep talking to our audience about the course. Yeah. So I just need to. Um, Go and snort a line of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, sure, no worries. <laughs> so, um, because I was a sh- quite a short guy, five foot six, um, I didn't weigh as much as the other guys. I would always get the bloody GPMG, which is about twenty six kilos, I think, if I remember right. And, and I'm sure you'll correct me. Um, but you, you do you, you do your one hour, two hour flight in a Hercules before you know it's hot, it's sweaty, blokes are throwing up we're singing songs having a laugh of course um and that's before you you ascend to the 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 correct height you come onto your flight path of the dz um you're ordered to stand up hook up of fit equipment i I may get this wrong um it's been a long time 
So you, you're struggling to put your, your hooks on your, your harness, on your, your Bergen and your gap, and you get that on and you put your reserve on it and then you've got to hook your static line up onto there. And then you've got to stand up for, for, for what? Anything from 10 to 20 to, to, to 40 minutes if you have to go around again because they miss a DZ or the pilots are, are, are shonky. Um, so you're standing up with what? Uh, 50 60 70 up to 80 pounds and, and once we did the all all up weight which was 120 pounds we all had to weigh 120 pounds 128 pounds all up weight trials um and that was really that was some hard parachuting um so okay so then you've got hook up stand up then you've got shuffle to the door so you'll go down forward back for rear front rear front of course coming back now rear front rear front you get to the door that number one, which is always lovely being number one, they open the door, you're standing there, the wind comes in, you start, the adrenaline starts pumping. Um, and there was a funny thing in the RFS, on two squadron, sorry, um, that we always, again, because we were very irreverent and, and very, we just had no discipline. We, it was renowned, we were very renowned for being the fastest airborne unit to get out of a Hercules door. And that's good, also because we had a very good, um, um, relationship with the PGIs, you know, Bryce Norton just down the road from Flemington. And, and I, I mean, I remember just putting my hand up the, up the, up the back of the guy in front's parachute in between his body and his parachute like this and run with him and blokes are pushing me. <laughs> and I went out with him, you know, so, so we, we literally used to push the PGIs away and said, one, two, the staggered, three, but we just push them out of the way and run out the door. Um, but, but I digress. I've, a only, bit. So, um, I've only ever been the first man out the door. Same with both my balloon jumps. Cool, bugger me, chaps. Bloody high here, isn't it? Right, okay, into the door. Don't panic, mummy loves you. Right, don't look down. I said, don't look down. Right, put your arms across your bloody reserve. That's it, soldier. Wait, wait. Oh. Yeah. In the balloon jumps, when they said, who's going first, I just said, I am. Because I was, yeah, yeah. Get I was, it over and done with. Well, it was more that I was with baby Paris, so I had, as a rule marine, you have to go first, right? And did you, on your first balloon jump, did the PGIs tell you about the hard-on um, no. fund? They, they were all there, you know, white knuckles on the balloon cage, 800 feet, 700 feet, first jump ever. Not for me because I'd done parachute jumps. So I, I'm scared of heights. So the balloon jump, I didn't like it at first. If I did a few in a day, that's fine. Um, Just I'm connected. what the balloon jump is for people who, who don't know. It's a helium balloon, isn't it? Yeah, like a barrage balloon. It is actually a barrage balloon with a small basket that can take up to six people underneath. On a, on a winch on the back of the truck, uh, RF truck, and they just winch it up to 700 feet and you're blowing in the wind. It's a deadly silent because no one's talking. And, um, so, so it, and then, it's, and then the, the winch noise, and it's shaking. And then all of a sudden you get 700 feet, it just stops. And the, the noise just stops. And you just hear the wind in the clouds and but it suddenly becomes dead eerie, dead scary, because you know you've got to jump out the, the, the bloody thing. And um, the PGIs turned around to tell us about, you know, jumping out the balloon. They said, right, there's a fund. Um, it's been going for about 
10 years now, it's about $3,000. We all put a pound in, um, and I, I think it sits at $10,000 now. Um, if anyone can show, if anyone can produce an erection, <laughs> you win it. <laughs> no one ever won it. <laughs> they didn't know that was gone by the time you got there, I take it. Sad. Yeah, um, <laughs> Maybe someone won it. I never heard of that. We, <laughs> we, we were taught two things on parachute training. One is what to do if you get hung up. So you're the strap of your Oh, there's parachute, a great video on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Strap of your parachute doesn't pull the parachute out. What do you do? So you're hung either under the plane or under the basket of the balloon. This, another drill we got taught was breakaway balloon. They have oh, to yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, just they just jump to, over the edge. Go. Yeah. They have to teach you <laughs> what to do if, if the cable of the balloon snaps and you start going off to Jupiter. And yeah. I'm serious. It's just going to go up, right? Yeah, in rapidly. That, in that case, you dispense with all drills. The PJR makes make sure you're hooked up. Then he pushes you out, right? Abandoned so ship in your terms. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So one of our guys, um, they said, any questions? And one of our guys puts his hand up and says, yeah, what about if you get a breakaway balloon and you're the last man out? And a hang up. And you get hung up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might even have been me that asked that. But... Yeah, it probably was, yeah. You, 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 you're going to become a beaver with very sharp teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, um, I was the same in the aircraft. When we emplaned, so when we got on the aircraft in our sticks, I just hung around and stood at, right at the back. So I'd be the last person on, i.e. the first person. The last person in the door is going to be sat <coughs> nearest the door, right? Yeah. Um, my biggest... Uh, my biggest upset on that whole course, well, I did, I keep saying it, I did two courses. If you want to find out why I did two parachute courses, friends, I'll put a link or have a look through my <coughs> portfolio of videos to one that's called, I think it's called the parachute course. I talk about it well, all did you, did you do? Did you get your American wings as well, or did you go French Foreign Legion or something? No, uh, the first course I did got cancelled after the balloon. Ah, okay. Because yeah, of yeah. the uh, Gulf War. Ah, okay. That bloody all thing the, got in the way. Yeah. yeah. All the Hercs went to the Gulf. The funny thing oh, was... Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was in one of them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing was the um, the two SES guys were, t were asking me if I knew Bob Consiglio, who was a Marine left the marines so we could join the SES, which is something you had to do yeah and i was like <clears throat> and that was a name if you were in the marines at the time then the name bob you knew everybody knew because he joined the SES, right which yeah. is not which was fine everyone was in like massive admiration for him because you, you normally go sbs right sbs special boat service yeah. yeah yeah so that course finished when i got home I got a lift back to Plymouth with two um, two nine commander guys and a Land Rover. That was that that was quick. <laughs> I put the news on, and there's a coffin coming out of a church, and the newscaster says, "Today the people of so and so wow. bur buried the body of Trooper Bob Consiglio, the first casualty of the Gulf War." 
So is that right? Anyone who knows um, about about the um, patrol Bravo Two Zero would know Bob was on that patrol. So oh, yeah. So cheers, cheers to Bob too. Yeah, saying oh, definitely. God, you don't have to go far back, do you? I, you know, there was a. I had another chap who was on my sea flight, which was even the the, the most irreverent and dreggy of, of two squadron. Two squadron bad enough, but we had three flights, so about thirty blokes each. And sea flight was, um, yeah, the NFI ones, the, the more dreggy. And, and I, I had another lad who went um, past his selection, um, and, and um, Bonnie, and he would drink to him too. Unfortunately, he came across a, an accident in, in training, I believe. So there's another one. It's, um, you don't have to go very far back when you're in the Marines and, and sort of elitish units, right? Well, it's, I say this a lot in my videos. You know, in, in the Marines, you know a lot of young men that die. That's just, right. Just That's right. Bit bizarre. Yeah. Mo quite often drunken sort of stuff. Accidents. Antics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. Quite a few people have poisoned themselves in Norway by going to sleep in their vehicle and leaving the engine running. And <clears> then oh, Jesus a leak, Christ. A leak in the exhaust pipe and it's yep. the crazy cab, shit, right? The cabin mm. and, and poison. Yeah. Um, yeah, all that. All that well, going back to uh, RAF Eleventon, where two squadron were, uh, is where they pack your parachutes, right? So all your any pack a parachute that you jumped with was packed at RAF Eleventon. So the balloon cage would often just go up on the airfield and, and we would just get the shout, you know, down tools. You're going parachuting. So, so we, we, yeah. And you'd, you'd spend the afternoon doing four, five, six balloon jumps up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, just because they're training their PGIs and, and stuff. And of they course, took, when they, it, took, they when, took, sorry, go on. No, no. So just so when they trained the PGIs, they used to ask us to arc up a little bit, you know, or, or to pretend that we weren't going to jump and, 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 and stuff. And and two squadron was just a bunch of nutters. I'm sure the Marines is very similar. And and the, the antics we used to get up to in the balloon cage, just absolutely hilarious, Chris. You know, and just jumping over the side, just refusing to jump, sitting down, running out before it even got to the full height. All stuff that you'd be charged with these days. But it was all, it was just such good fun, mate. Just so, I did 60 it. jumps. Four, four years I was on two squadron, I think. I did 60 jumps, parachute jumps. Wow, that's a lot. They yeah. took the balloon, Graham, to 4-5 Commando. Yeah, they used to take it on tour around the country. Yeah, they used to drive it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And all the lads in 4-5 were going, do you want to do the balloon jump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Put put my put my pullover on with the para wings on. Just go, and they go, right, what do I do? Just, well, just fucking jump. <laughs> oh, what? And they hadn't done a jump score? No. Oh, brilliant. Love it. That's so awesome. The, the jump is the, the RAF. Just jump. What do I do? Jump. It's a, yeah. it's a bungee jump, right? It, it is. It's a, it's a bungee jump. The, the RAF. Uh, but you don't come back up. The RAF instructors were, were looking at these guys and going, has he, has he done this before? You know, because they didn't know. Yeah. You know, they, the, the lads were trying to teach him. That's, right? that's, Arms that's the brilliant, jump, but I love that. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's beautiful. That's such, such, such a, you know, military that level military thing isn't it that's the sort of stuff i love I, I, remind me to tell you a story about um when when we came back off maneuvers or exercises we call it and, and we were made our, our stupid officers made us go to an army um what do you call them firepower demo that we didn't want to go to remind me of that before before we finish the story um, um but we'll go back to parachuting yeah 
We've you had did, guys go. You, you obviously did a night jump. Yeah, night jump. Um, I missed a water jump, thankfully, because I don't like water. I'm not a marine. Um, we didn't do that on our course. Night jump. We used to. Well, we used to do loads of night jumps. Every time we we did an exercise with a jump in, it was always at night, and then tab off, uh, ten mile tab. Um, and 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 that's. It. I I used to absolutely love night jumps. So beautiful. Um, except of course that the the the, the, um, the landing's always very um, depends how dark it is really. <laughs> Uh... because you know what ground rush is you know it's very hard to judge at night uh so your drills have got to be spot on you know your, your plf your parachute landing falls got to be spot on um and you've got and you've got to get your direction your wind and everything right and and you're looking at the tree line and, and against the skyline and and then boom you're, you're on the ground you know um you got to make sure your Bergen's dropped. What was um, your What was your biggest accident? You tell me yours, and I'll tell you mine. What, mine personally? Yeah, I didn't have any. I, 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 I've I've been um, caught in strings, and I've I've, I've done um, what are they called? Air steals? Air steals? Yeah. When you collapse? I've never pulled a reserve. Um, so an air steal seen... is when an air steal is when you go under another parachutist. Yeah, and yeah you steal their air so then they yeah. they fall through your canopy yeah that's right and then if and, and then it just keeps happening right until <laughs> the unlucky one hits the deck or what's worse is of course as you do the air steal you then get caught in their rigging line so you've now got two guys on one one parachute and one will collapse um now, the thing is, the reason that they dispatch you, those dispatchers do that timing by, by every one second, is so you have a half a second gap between parachutes so that this doesn't happen. Now, the fact that we, we were just idiots and nutters and we didn't care, we just like to get out quickly because that's, that's, uh, it's about getting as many people in a condensed area on the DZ as quickly as possible. So we always wanted to be the best airborne unit. We we had just we had so many air steals and, and entanglements and, and um, um, reserve deployments and, and accidents because the, the quicker you get out, the, the closer you are. So so it's it's a bit more dangerous. And I remember once the biggest accident I saw was the the PGIs. We had a Land Rover on board that was being you know the, what's it called the big drop or something that was going out the, on the ramp first, hmm. and um. That goes out, and then there's a two-second gap, and then they go, okay, green on, go. And, and the first one goes, second one, third one, fourth one. Well, well somehow, the, the second big drop, the Land Rover, two Land Rovers, I think it was, first one went out okay. The PGA on the port side, I think that was always first, didn't see the second one got, got jammed and didn't go out. And eventually they freed it. They threw it out just at the same time. Oh. As, as number one went out port side and he went out with a Land Rover. <laughs> Lucky he had a helmet on. My, my only um, mistake, I'm sure I would have made many more had I done more parachute jumps, but my, yeah. the mistake I made was I jumped out of the plane um, and when you come into land in a, in a, in a, with a canopy over you, with, you've got four, four, they call them web lifts, that, that then go up to the strings. Or you the pulled cord, the wrong ones, didn't you? The cords that attach the parachute. 
if you're coming this way because the wind is blowing you this way, you pull down on your back lift webs. And what that does is it spills air out of the canopy and it, and it slows you. Stools. It slows yeah. you down. They call it stalling the canopy, right? Yeah, which you're not meant to do, right? Clever boy here pull down on the wrong ones. For some reason, I'm coming in, I'm going this way, and I reached up and I grabbed the front and I pulled them down. So, of course, I'm now going twice the speed in wind. Yeah. The PJI on the floor is shouting through the megaphone, number 17, pull the other lift webs. Pull the <laughs> other lift Well, when you're coming down and you're, you're, so focused, you're so focused on what you're doing, Number 17 means nothing to you, especially when your name's Chris. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right, yeah. I, I, I didn't realise he was shouting at me. I'm just going, right, coming in. And then the ground rush. Laughing at number 17, he's getting it wrong. Well, <laughs> I knew when I saw the ground rush, it's coming twice as fast at me that I got it wrong. Um, yeah, bang, it's too late. Smash too late. Face plant, lovely. I hit my helmet so hard on the ground. I thought I was going to... I've nearly, yeah. I, I've actually knocked... nearly been knocked out. Um, when we were doing those all-up um, trials, it was a, it was the last jump, Sim 45, so, so 90 blokes. Um, <clears throat> and, and I think it was on Salisbury Plane. I, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Maybe Everly. I don't know. And um, it was the very last jump of the trials before the squadron went off to America, but I think the parachute regiment took over in America. And um, it was too windy. I, I can't remember what, what the, high, the highest knots you were allowed to jump in, 30 or 40 or 20, I don't know. But it was, it was at least 10 to 15 knots over that. We knew that. And um, you could see the windsock. But they were so desperate to get it. They, they said, oh, we'll go up anywhere, and if it drops, we'll, we'll try and drop you in a, in a, in a, a window, drop off of the, of the wind. Bullshit, and uh, they dropped us at really high knots, really high weight, and um, yeah, I, I came in backwards, hit my head, saw stars, nearly knocked out, dragged, dragged for about half a kilometer before I, you pulled your risers, every bit of strength pulling your risers in to collapse the chute, and then, then of course, what we did, we just, we just de-rigged, and we were just running for all the blokes. Who, this is an exercise, so fuck it. We were running for all the blokes because we knew how hard they were just about to land, and and I watched my, my scouse mate hit the ground, like, okay, feet first, but he just collapsed, hit the ground, and he bounced literally about 20 metres um, and then landed again. Landed again. And, and we're just running after them, trying to collapse their chutes. It, it, it was, a lot of people were injured. It, it, it wasn't good, but, you know, afterwards it, in the bar, it, it, it was quite funny. <laughs> so that, that's all right. <laughs> but it, it was rough, man. It was, that was rough. Um, and I've, I've sort of, remember you know, drop your kit and try and untwist and you just just about land because oh that's right they dropped us from six or seven hundred feet in the air in the aircraft so you you even if something went wrong you wouldn't even have time to pull your reserves so it's back back to the arnhem days when they used to jump without reserves which is um a bit scary um yeah well, six or seven hundred feet unofficially it was yeah yeah well they didn't carry a reserve because they dropped so low tactically it, the reserve it didn't matter wouldn't have no, time to matter. open so yeah yeah, yeah. My yeah, I wouldn't funny, like to do that. My funny um, dip there <laughs> is uh, we, these two army guys that were on my course, these two nine commando guys, they were re really funny. One of them, I think his name was Colin, I can't remember, but 
left it at that. He was telling us his story in the nappy one night, the nappy being the bar, um, about his action man. And he's like, when I was a kid, I used to put a parachute on my action man. I used to make it out of a carrier bag and just tie some strings to it. He said, in one day, he said, I chucked him out the bedroom window and I ran down the stairs into the street and he said, Action man's all just smashed up on the pavement. You know, his black eye, his arms broken off, his legs are all bent. And we're like, what happened? He said, didn't put his reserve. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming, but it was still funny. But there's more. So, as I said, I always made sure I was the first man out, out the hook. Yeah, I'm stood in the it. door. I'm stood in the doorway, and it's like it's beautiful, you know, looking around. Yeah, and it's like red on, and that means like you, you, the green get ready. Come any second, and you just got to go. And you I get heard this. Flat. I heard this shout, Chris, and I looked round, and it's Colin. He sat there grinning. And he went, "Remember my action, man." <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, I love that humor, right? Mm-hmm. We, there was one time, and I, I, you know, you, you can call us unprofessional, but there was a few of us on the squadron. We were doing a jump. We were going on to an exercise for a week. So um, all the really keen, keen troopers in our squadron, um, A flight, and, and, and the lads from two squadron um, will remember this. Oh, Moff. And um, hello. And um, well, in, instead of going back to barracks and getting our heads down, there, there was a bunch of us that got nicknamed the dregs um, on, on the squadron, the, the sort of the party animals or whatever. Um, <laughs> instead of going, getting ready and getting our kit ready and um, preparing for exercise for a week's exercise, two weeks exercise and um, getting, getting your head down, get some sleep. Because the jump, I think we were jumping, we were going to Bryce about two o'clock, four in the morning for a four o'clock a.m. jump. We went down to the local pub downtown, the Black Horse, and got absolutely rat-assed. And um, we were literally, when we got to Bry's, we were lit- holding one of one of our mates up on on, um, <laughs> on, on parade. We, we were holding him up um, because he was so so pissed. And um, when, when they did the roll call, we had to call his name for, for him. And, and we managed to all get on the aircraft. The aircraft must have stank. We must have got some other people drunk. Um, and we, we sobered up very quickly after the, after the jump. And then we had to do the 10-mile tab, which was pretty painful. <laughs> but that's how fit you are back then, right? Mm, yeah. You could actually do that shit. Exactly. That's quite incredible. Yeah. Graham, listen, listen I, yeah. Am, I am literally in 10 minutes' time talking to SAS legend, Colin McLaughlin of uh, stuff. television's um, Who Dares Wins, SES Who Dares Wins fame. Scottish, plus, I take it. Plus, yeah, Scottish guy, very nice man. Uh, you, yeah. Plus, that's just a tiny, the TV bit is a tiny bit. Sure, of sure. What he does and has done, he's an incredible guy. All right, mate, let's wrap so it up. I will say goodbye. Um, we're going to talk next time about skydiving, which is just even more fun again right a hundred um, times better <clears throat> so and we're also 
um, going to talk about your story in Sarajevo. It, it, it sure, sure, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I bring I bring a friend on if I can. Because uh, I've got to talk quickly now. But Graham was a volunteer aid worker in the Bosnian conflict, driving trucks full of food to the children in the orphanages, <clears throat> getting shot at, bombed, taken hostage. It's an incredible story. I can't wait to really i've been looking forward to this one so me too. Brett, i will wish uh, you and yours lots of love mate thank you for coming on um, the podcast massive love to everybody at home please likewise you, brother yeah if you could like and subscribe friends that would be really kind just helps me to keep doing this and uh, i'll see you next time graham i'm going to cut it there so take care buddy all right you too take care cheers, Chris. cheers mate bye-bye Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.